Ahoy, and welcome into the Maglerverse, where I, Dan Magler, social worker and life enthusiast, answer your questions about mental health issues, talk about the different topics that come up in my private practice and in my work as a school social worker. I have been talking about my desire, well, or trepidation to get into this topic for today, which is sex positivity. It's something that I need to talk about, want to talk about, but I'm afraid there's so much to say and I'm afraid I'm going to leave some things out. So after this episode, if there are things that you want me to expand upon, uh, make sure you email me at daniel.magler at live.com, where you can ask your questions about this or anything, share your comments, suggestions. I appreciate all the feedback that I've received so far. So sex positivity, what is it? Um, I think for me, it's easier to understand what it is by thinking of what it, what it isn't. We have come a long way. When I was child in the 1980s, the early 80s in Illinois, it was not illegal for a man to rape his wife. If he did that, it would just be, okay, well, it's your wife. That's what you just have to put up with. In our society, we've gotten better from there. We we came up with this idea that no means no. And that was an improvement, but it's not good enough because there are times when people, when we're confronted by a very stressful situation, we can fight, we can flight, we can freeze. And some people would freeze up in a stressful situation. So they might not say no. So then we've expanded and improved. And now we teach people that they should be looking for consent. But even looking for consent is not good enough. Because I had a student who she snuck out of her house last week and she went over to a boy's house and she wanted to be there to you know, make out with him, but she didn't want things to go where they went. And he was significantly larger than her, literally twice her weight. And he had lifted her up several times in the evening just to show you, her, I should say, how much bigger he was and stronger and wanted to impress her. But she got to a point where she felt like she couldn't refuse to do the things he wanted to do, that he would get angry. And she was afraid of the potential of his anger. So she consented to some things that she did not want to consent to. So consent and looking for consent is not enough. What we need to teach, particularly young men, but anybody who has a partner, is not to be looking for consent, but looking for enthusiasm in their partner. A person who is, you know, four or five beers in and people say, oh, well, that's, you know, the whole idea of drunken people being date rape. Well, that's a problem because on college campuses, most consensual hookups are under the spirit and imbibed alcohol. So people will say, well, how can you know? Well, again, if we're not looking for, is this person just okay with it? Are they like half passed out? But if we, are they actively interested and excited? And as a young man, if you try to walk away and you say, hey, I think you've had too much to drink. And you say, I'm not going to do this tonight that partner is only going to want you more. You are not missing out on a once in a lifetime opportunity. And if you are, if that person, when the, when the beer wore off, if they would have been like, Oh, I'm really glad I didn't do that. Well, then you, you did the right thing by stopping. So when we talk about sex positivity, we're talking about getting people to the notion of what would a positive, healthy sexual relationship look like. And unfortunately our society stinks at teaching about that. We are so quick to tell people what they're not supposed to do. 
and show examples of how it's wrong. But we're bad at giving an example of what it looks like when it's right. There's a show on Netflix that I've been encouraged to watch called, uh, I feel like it's called Sex Education. And the protagonist is a young man who's the son of a sex therapist and is kind of teaching other kids in their school uh, some things about sex. And I've heard that that is a positive portrayal of um, sex roles. And I can't wait to watch it. So if you have seen it, please email me. But other than that, when I look at media, I look around and I don't see anything that shows people what it's supposed to be like. People talk about violent video games, and if my kids, they, they're into Fortnite, they're into uh, mostly Minecraft and whatnot, but if they were to play Grand Theft Auto, I wouldn't worry that they were going to learn to drive just from Grand Theft Auto or from Mario Kart, because they have had thousands of hours of riding in a car with my wife and I and other people and seeing what responsible driving looks like. Unfortunately, there isn't any competition for what the main source where particularly young men are getting their information, but also increasingly young women uh, about sex is from pornography. And that's it. There isn't hours and hours and hours of them watching normal, boring sex between normal, boring people. And I don't know how we would do that. I'm not suggesting that we should make a, the boring porn station and subject eighth graders to watching it. But it becomes a problem because we don't have any demonstration of the healthy sexual relationships, even romance novel genre, or you know, like things like Fifty Shades of Grey or whatnot, that were big, are not promoting what I would consider healthy sexual relationships that should be encouraged. So here's what I want for all the young people that I meet, for all the, I don't know, 75-year-olds, 50-year-olds, anybody, is a partner and that is sharing with you. We want, before, I, I say to kids all the time, we can make love without having sex. And the key to making love without having sex is this sharing of intimacy. We can hopefully have intimacy not just in our sexual relationships, but also in our friendships, in our parental relationships. And I had uh, my a couple of my groups yesterday. I had my and I, I talked about some of these topics with my. I have a girls trauma survivors group that I run. I have a LGBTQ group. I have a family issues group and an individual issues group. So the individual issues for anxiety and depression. I said intimacy. I can't remember which group I was saying it to, but um, is to be emotionally naked, to go there without into a relationship without any armor on and to feel like that vulnerability is safe. And I had kids just cringing at that. They, they said they would much rather be physically naked in almost any environment than walk around emotionally naked. They just <laughs> they shuddered. But that's the idea that I don't, you know, when I'm in a truly intimate connection with someone, I don't need any defenses. And that's what I want. It doesn't mean that for every situation and every time, like two consenting adults can have a sexual relationship that where there is no intimacy. And that's not always a terrible thing. I was communicating with uh, an alum, someone who's in her 30s, and just, you know, she out of a, got out of a long relationship and just needed to have that physical connection to, to feel like she could have a fresh start, a palate cleanser, if you will. And so that's not terrible. But the more we separate intimacy from sex, the more those things stay separated. And it is 
relationships are hard. And in many ways, the pairing of sex and relationships, the benefit of that is that it kind of, it's our, it's kind of our dessert after eating our broccoli of doing the taxes and the bills and all the other figuring out who's going to pick the kids up from wherever. Hopefully if we can keep those things paired, it is, you know, a benefit, but that, you know, it doesn't mean you can't eat ice cream in the middle of the day on a Saturday. It just means that the, it is a, a benefit and these things can be better. Sex can and will be better when we feel safe. When we feel like we aren't going to be judged. We can have fun. I had a, a girl in my office on Friday and she was talking. She realized as we were discussing you know, these, her friendship with uh, this female friend of hers that through much of her friendship, she's been afraid to confront her friend about anything that might be negative feedback because that friend's reaction would be maybe to reject her. And I said, we shouldn't be afraid in any of our relationships. If you're afraid of your boss, if you're afraid of your parents, if you're afraid of your romantic partner, if you're afraid of your friendships and how they're reacting, something's wrong in that relationship. And so much more in our sexual relationships. There's no space for fear in a sex positive relationship. In another group, our family issues group, boy was talking about how he was kind of scolding his younger sister, he and his mother, because there were all these rumors about her hooking up with multiple guys and things like that. And in the group, we, we kind of explored how if it was a younger brother, no one would have any issue with this. In addition, and the advantage I have is that I, I also happen to know the younger sister, this girl has never done anything more than kiss a boy or a girl, you know, she actually, you know, whatever. So they, she has never done anything more than kiss anybody, but because she is a very attractive young woman and she's in excellent shape, if she wears clothes that flatter her figure, people just decide that they call her a whore. And again, she is not showing any more skin or doing anything else that most of the other girls in the school where I work are doing, but because of her shape, people choose to imagine that she is a certain way. I find that in my experience, 90% of the girls that are called whores in my school are have never slept with anyone. We have a dynamic at, at where I work where often the junior girl, the people who are most likely to quote, quote, slut shame are girls against girls. That often the junior girls will go after the freshman girls because there comes this point where the junior boys start going after the freshman girls to hit on and try to hook up with. And so the junior girls, to try to protect their turf, will start sort of slut-shaming. And this hasn't happened in a couple of years since before COVID, but it, would, it was relatively common that you know a junior girl might walk up behind a freshman girl and just shout out slut in the middle of the hallway. And it didn't work. It didn't keep the junior boys from keeping their hands off the, you know, the freshman girls. But it was something that they felt like they they wanted to do to protect things. And it's just this negative cycle. And in sex positivity, <clears throat> we we recognize that no one is bad or wrong for wanting to have a consensual sexual relationship. Another alum of uh, that group, the, the Girls Trauma Survivors Group, she's at college now, and they were having discussions in one of her classes about OnlyFans and how is it empowering or exploitive for women to be earning money performing 
SexX for the benefit of mostly male audiences doing things that could be considered degrading or whatnot. And their class didn't come up with an answer for that, and I don't have an answer either. I think reframing sex work, so people who are, you know, what we would formerly call prostitutes, things like that, as, you know, sex workers, and saying these people should be allowed to make their own decisions and should be respected. But at the same time, there is an exploitive quality to it and a misogynistic quality to it as well. And <clears throat> how do we straddle that line? And for that, I don't yet have a complete answer other than we need to stop criminalizing and shaming behavior. In a sex-positive environment, colleges, where they were to, uh, if they're going to have a sex-positive environment, they one thing that, again, blew my mind when I first heard this, but they asked questions like, is there... You know, let's say there's a fraternity party. Is there a quiet place where people can you know, leave the dance floor and go talk? Is there a clean bathroom for women? And you could say, well, how does this have to do anything with, with sex and sex positivity? Well, if you don't have those things, what we see happening instead are, you know, people moving right from dancing on a dark, crowded dance floor off into somebody's room. And then <clears throat> a feeling of pressure that the only way, if, if a person just wanted to have a, get to know someone better, where else can they do that without being put in a position where they may feel some sense of obligation? Talking to a, a different uh, a college student this last week, and she had a guy who she has hooked up with in the past, and she she enjoys him as a human. She's, he's one of her favorite people and a, and a very close friend. She knows he has a big crush on her, and she just doesn't feel really toward him romantically. She just She loves him as a human being, but... And the times they have messed around, it's just been, I don't know, she has a confusion of feelings and a sense of, well, he really wants to, and I like him, and I don't want him to feel bad. And she knew if she let him stay in her dorm room, that they would end up sleeping together. The idea that she could kind of set that boundary and say no, it just, she knew it was beyond her. So she came up with some excuses about how sick she was and that she could not. I'm glad that she at least came up with an excuse and didn't just go along with what she he was asking for and wanting. But I hope that we can develop a sex-positive culture for her where she feels she can set boundaries with anyone at any time. That a person can go into an evening fully intending to sleep with someone and then change their mind at the very last second or even three a minute in and say, I want to stop this and not feel shamed about that feel like that's their right. If, if, if things aren't going well, then they can stop and change their mind and do whatever they want to do. Until we have more sex positivity, until we're teaching young men to look for enthusiasm rather than just consent, we're going to continue to have this horribly toxic culture. A girl, again at the school, was asked to go to our homecoming dance by a boy. A friend. They had no romantic connection. And then a week and a half before the dance, he said, I'm not going to take you because you won't have sex with me. Now, he hadn't even asked her to have sex or hook up or anything. He had just decided. So he was going to take a different girl from a different school who he felt pretty confident was going to have sex with him. And not only did he say this thing and leave her dateless for the dance, but uh, he then told his friends and they all started mocking her online and posting about her and saying mean things like, hey, you're so much better off without that person and using... This is a student who is not from the dominant racial group of the school. I work at a mostly white, affluent school. And this 
girl is, you know, from a very wealthy, successful family, but she is um, ethnically different, more diverse, and they were using slurs about her and things like that. Here we have a situation where this girl was given no agency at all, and yet was shamed for an act that she was, you know, not even requested to do. But the point is, there's no winning. She unfortunately had a class with the this boy and couldn't couldn't get herself to go back. Was so ashamed and embarrassed, and so we changed her schedule. The teacher found out, and she wanted this girl to wanted the boy to face some sort of consequences, some sort of justice for this. The teacher was pretty riled up. She said, "After this Me Too movement, shouldn't we be coming forward more? Shouldn't shouldn't this be allowed?" And it's tough because I feel strongly. I hate the idea of young men getting away with shaming and making people feel terrible. Or, arguably, the worst part of my job is when I know there are boys in the school where I work who have sexually assaulted multiple girls, but I can't do anything about it because none of those girls are ready to come forward and press charges or do anything like that. And part of the reason why they're not ready is because. Just like this girl who didn't get, who got unasked to the dance, you know, people will gang up and bully them. We have gone through Me Too, but if we think that the entire culture has changed about that, we are kidding ourselves. So, when someone has experienced a negative sexual experience, the last thing we can do is take their agency away, and we need to support them until they're ready to go move forward girl who snuck out of her house to make out with the guy and ended up getting assaulted and you know, consenting without consenting and then she was forced to walk home he wouldn't even take her home after he had gotten her to sneak out of her, his, her house but her mother kept asking her the next day and the day after oh what's going on with that boy don't you like that boy anymore and this fear she had she couldn't tell her mom about what happened or the girl who the freshman girl whose brother and mother were shaming her for the rumors that were happening about her if she had been said and this is what i said to her brother if your sister did get sexually assaulted would she feel comfortable coming to you to your mom when this is the attitude that she's gotten i was talking to a young woman today who is 26 now but when she was in high school a freshman in high school her mother she had hung out with some boys who were on the football team and that's all she had done is hang out with them. Nothing happened. But her mother had started labeling her a slut. Said, You're blowing every boy on that football team and just slut-shaming her over and over again. She was only 13 when she started high school. She said to herself, if my mom is going to call me a slut, then screw it. So she ended up sleeping with an adult man as a 14-year-old. Um, long story to that one, but the point is, the things and the labels we put on kids really matter. We can do better. We need to start creating in the minds of our young men and young women just what it should look like. We cannot and should not give them graphic videos of boring, but maybe, and again, sex doesn't have to be boring when it's healthy, but <laughs> just sex between consenting people who are not degrading each other, who are exploring each other and enjoying each other and giving to one another where sex is not performed by one gender for the other just to please them, instead of it being an experience of intimacy that's shared. Sex just between one person, two consenting adults that don't really care about each other, 
is essentially mutual masturbation using a body instead of a toy. That's not the end of the world. That's okay. But on the whole, we should be promoting intimacy with sex. Where, where there is sex, there should be hopefully intimacy more often than not. So I know I've been rambling on for a while. If you have questions or thoughts about sex positivity or anything else, please email me at daniel.magler at live.com. And remember, do whatever it takes to get you through this world. You're just not allowed to die. And now for something completely different. Sometimes there are no words. Sometimes we need love, care, support, and affection. We don't want to have to explain anything. For young people with mental health issues like anxiety, depression, OCD, autism, therapy is often not enough. Paws for Patrick is an organization dedicated to connecting the love of animals to the people who need it the most. We facilitate that connection by assigning the seekers who contact us a wish granter who listens to their story and their needs and helps them acquire an animal or training or documentation so they can have their emotional support animal, or ESA, in their apartment, dorm, condo, etc. We even have trained therapy dogs and handlers who bring dogs to people who can't have their own. Patrick rarely had the words to express his feelings and his needs, but when he had the love of his dog, Cece, he had the strength to persevere. We want to provide every young person who could benefit that kind of love and support. Please check out our website at pauseforpatrick.org. Find us on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a need, reach out. If you want to help become a volunteer, fill out the form on our website. If you can donate, great, but please at least spread the word so we can replace the suffering and silence that many people do with the smiles and security that only the love of an animal can bring.